Welcome to Season 2 of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Well, welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. My name is Peter An. I'm one of your hosts, and Su Wong Hong, who is... What are you doing, Su? Um, I just found this. It's called a Grip Master. Have you ever heard of these? But, but why are you doing the Grip Master? I don't know. Master? I just found it on the desk. So I was like, right. oh, I want to see. I want to test out my grip strength. Your, your facial expression was hilarious when you were trying to do it. That's what I was like, what are you doing? I have very expressive facial Yes, you do. Especially when you shuffle cards. <laughs> especially okay. when you shuffle cards can we not talk about that again okay i i have excellent shuffling skills you just don't know no you don't no you see you know you know here's the thing about you when you're really bad at something you always play it up but when you're good at something you always play it down i'm really good have at shuffling cards that? no so you're terrible at shuffling cards <laughs> you're absolutely terrible and the fact that you're you're like saying that you're so good that's when you know. That's that's that, that's when you know you're um, bad. That's when you know you're you bad. You figured me out. I did. Clearly, I figured, figured you out. out. You this figured is, my algorithm. I got out. you. I got you. You've got so me. listen, uh, I know you went to Italy. You came back just recently. I thought you bought this blouse that you're wearing right now, whatever it is you're wearing. But I looked at it and I was like, you know what though? It looks like you it looks like you got it at an Am- Amish farm. Too. I cannot believe you so just called it sure. whatever you're wearing. It's a shirt. What do you mean? It's a blouse. Is it a blouse or a shirt? I don't know. It's like a okay. blousey shirt. It, it, it's it's kind of turquoise color. It's kind of a cool it's, color, it's, but it's a mint color. It's mint. Okay, it um, looks it very has, little it's house. It's embroidered. On the it's embroidered because embroidery okay. was very big back in the day. All right. Um, did you say I look Amish? You look Amish. It looks like an Amish blouse. That's what it looks like, like little yeah, house I'm, on the prairie. I mean, listen, I'm not gonna lie. John's not a fan of the shirt. <laughs> So you decided to wear it for the podcast? Are you going to meet with some? Are you go- meeting up with somebody later on We're, today? No. So um, Audrey has my daughter has like a show later in the evening, and I don't like to change in the middle of the day, so I'm just wearing it now, so I don't have to think about smart. it until later. So so smart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I'm into the Amish look. You are. I think we should. Yeah, I think we should learn a couple things from the Amish fashion okay. houses. Okay. All right. Yeah, the Yoder right. fashion house. That, but you know what would be interesting if you wore that blouse with your your um. What do you call it? Those unstretchable tight jeans that you wear? The unstretchable. What, you know, what, I, what are those I, jeans called? Those uh, the, 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 the my cotton? rigid denim, my hundred yeah, percent cotton denim. rigid yeah. denim. That would be I an genuinely combo. considered wearing those on my twelve-hour flight to Rome. Um, oh, you're crazy! Yeah, I was really thinking about it because at that point, it's like, what can you do? You just have to suffer silently. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna go nude, right? <laughs> But the better side of my logic won out, and I was like, "I don't want to do that to myself." That's smart. That's really, really smart. So that would have been like hundred percent guarantee that it would have been broken in by the end of that trip. Yeah, but you you might have to be rushed to the ER afterwards. So. <laughs> I would have like a permanent <laughs> dent in my belly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's good that your husband's a physician. He might have to like you know like. Well, no, you, you, know, you know what's really funny is recently, remember when we and I, when I went to Vegas, it was for a um, conference that John had for the Orthopedic Association, right, right. some kind of academy. I don't even know what it's called, but it was so funny because I was on the flight and you could tell like at least 70 percent of that flight was orthopedic surgeons slash PAs slash NPs, like how, medical how professionals. Everyone because, wore scrubs or something. How could you tell? Because a lot of them were wearing like branded shirts that said like orthopedic oh, something okay. and they okay. were all going okay. for this conference from columbus like you could tell right. so they were all yeah. and so I, I was looking around and like everybody had either like a messenger bag that said you know orthopedic something so mm-hmm. and john was like oh i know some, a lot of these people like they're in the orthopedic field so in the middle of the flight um one of the flight attendants asks for a medical professional to come assist with something <laughs> and nobody <laughs> got up, up. 
nobody got up. Oh, really? Because orthopedists, so no, because orthopedists cannot be trusted with primary care needs. Orthopedists only know how to fix bones. You should, if you have a heart attack or if you have a stroke or, you know, you, ha- you need emergency care, you don't go to the orthopedist because orthopedists will be like, okay, but which bone bone is broken? Yeah, right, right, help right. You with your, you know, arrhythmia. But there was one guy who was an orthopedist, but he decided to wear scrubs that day. So he had to stand up <laughs> because he was wearing scrubs. Everybody knew he was trying to not help. So he had to get up and he had to help. Oh, my dude. Lord. But it was so funny because John was like, oh, my gosh, this is not this is not the right group of physicians to be calling when you need help. But they still had to do rotations and residents. They had to still do other stuff. Right. So they had to, you know, it's, it's a yeah, but I don't think had- rotations really help you with really yeah because it's it's four years of school where you don't really learn anything medical like you're learning mostly sciences which is not in med school you're learning mostly sciences and then you rotate but you're rotating as a med student you don't really learn much you're just observing and then Mm. you go straight into residency so by the time so you really only know what your residency field is okay Anyway, nobody is interested in this. All right. But oh, my point well, is, let's, let's, if you have an orthopedic friend, don't ask them to help you when you have a stroke slash when you're having a heart attack. Bone issues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Only bone issues. Hey, all right. So what the audience wants to know is, how was your vacation to Italy? Because we, I saw your Instagrams. I saw your posts. I mean, you guys ate a whole lot of pasta every single day. But how was your trip to Italy? Was it better than Madrid, Spain? Oh, well, um, it's different because I had kids. So most of the activities yeah. kind of gets based around kids. I will tell you this. If you are a K- Korean slash a- Asian person, a person of Asian descent, um, if you go on a trip for more than four days somewhere where most of the food is not Asian and they don't have a lot of like, quote unquote, ethnic foods available to you, I highly, highly recommend you take a couple of like cup ramen in your bag <laughs> or like some cans of kimchi or, or microwavable rice. We were dying by like day four. We were dying. Like I could not eat another thing of carbonara. Like I'm like, I don't give a yeah. crap if it's, you know, like another bowl of gacho e pepe. Like I can't do it. Okay. Like just give me some freaking kimchi. Like I just can't do it. It was delicious. Like day one, two, three, it was great. But then, you know, like you get, you start getting like that Korean itch yeah. for some Korean food. And man, yeah, like yeah. I really wish we had brought some. You know, you get you know, like Korean yes, cup ramen yes, noodles. Yes, yes. It was yes. Pr- even my kids were like, Mom, we cannot eat this anymore. <laughs> so, so, so you, it seemed like you had, you guys had a steady diet of pasta, pizza, right? And gelatos. we had it was basically pasta, pizza, gelato on repeat, um, with yeah. some shots of espresso sprinkled in there like throughout the day. Wow. Um but you know what's crazy is I I have never in my adult life eaten ever that much carbohydrates. Like it was I, I, basically. I was going to say because you, ha- you've lessened, you've really reduced your carb intake. Yeah, right? I have really reduced days. my carb intake yeah. and I have tried to really up my protein intake recently. But I was getting zero protein, basically <laughs> just carbs, like literally <laughs> just carbs. So and did, um, did you gain weight on this trip? No. So 
I, and I think it's well, because we were averaging, we were averaging about between like 16 to 25,000 steps a day. Oh yeah. That, that's um, and why. so yeah. I think so, there was no So the no carbs way. were very helpful. The carbs. Yeah. The carbs helpful. were helpful. I think yeah. it was also helpful because the kids mostly were not complaining um, because that's mm. like six miles a day of walking. And if yeah. you're Audrey and you're eight, but you're the size of a five-year-old, like it's very difficult yeah. to walk six mm. miles a day. But I think the plentiful spaghetti kind of was helping her walk all those miles so otherwise Wait, so it, were mean, you guys was, yeah were you guys well, just in rome you're just in rome yeah initially our itinerary included other cities but um when i started doing the itinerary i was like man there's just so much to see in all of these cities and i just i could see myself getting so stressed out because i have this itinerary and i have all of these things to see because i've paid all this airfare to come here and my kids starting to zone out towards like the end of the museum tour like no not another sculpture boring i, I don't want to see this and then i get so mad so i was like you know what i know myself and i know them so we're gonna stay in one city i'm gonna have a very loose itinerary so at least that way i don't feel like i've half assed both cities like at least i really okay. feel like i got a full experience of like that one city and i don't yell at them yeah. if they want to go yeah. home after like the yeah. 17th sculpture so it was a great decision, actually. Like, I really feel mm. like I get, I got a really good gist of Rome as a tourist. Um, my kids could tell you now, like something very interesting. Like, I, I didn't think they were paying attention, but there was this one time another tour guide said something to them about, like, "Hey, so do you guys know what a sarcophagus is? Do you know what sarcophagus means?" Which is like the Greek coffins. And my younger daughter goes, "It means flesh eater." And I was like, "She's paying attention." <laughs> I was so impressed. The tour guide was like, no, none of, I've been doing this for 30 years and no one has ever guessed that correctly. And I was like, wow. Audrey, good job. Like it was totally worth bringing you all the way here and suffering through my endless bowls of spaghetti. You no, know, I, I can't, you stayed there for seven days. Six days, Rome, six huh? days. Six days in six Rome. Days okay, in Rome. that yeah. makes sense. Man, it would have been great if you guys checked out Florence so, and went to Chianti, the the countryside, and ate like the the uh, like legit grandma Italian food, and then drank some beautiful Chianti, uh, Chianti wine. It would have been so good. So this is um an unpopular opinion. I am not a fan of Florence. Um, I have been to Florence, really? and I just oh. find it really boring. Really? Um, yeah, I, like, like I'm just favorite. not. You know, like I, I, it's beautiful, but I just first of all, I like it. But I prefer the vibe of Rome because I'm a city girl. Mm. And also, I just couldn't imagine my kids really enjoying Florence because, first of all, mm. it's just much more chill. It's beautiful. Um, they don't drink Chianti. Um, That's true. <laughs> also, That's true. it's very artsy. Like, Florence is very artsy. Mm. And they're not really – like, how much of that could they really do? So I think mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. we will go back when they're a little older – and I think then they would have an appreciation for Florence. Yeah. But Rome is just such a fun city for kids because um, it's like an amusement park for ancient ruins. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. every, everything is so exciting. Like, this thing is 2,000 years old. Like, this is where the gladiators fought. Like, yeah. look yeah. at all the Greek yeah. gods and goddesses that are now Roman gods and goddesses. Like, it's just, it's a much more accessible city than I feel like really appreciating Florence for like little kids. Okay, okay. All right. A little, my so little a spiel for Rome. Yeah, it was it was really really fun. What was the and, highlight? Um, what was the like the top highlight for you? Okay, so this is really creepy, 
but um, I don't know if this is a highlight, but this is the most memorable for sure. So because this is my second time in Rome, so it's not like I'm doing this for the first time, but I went mm. to this place called the Capuchin Crypt. Have you ever heard of the Capuchin Crypt? It's where the Never. Capuchin monks um, took all of the thousands of bones that they had found of their brothers and then created this crypt made out of bones. They made artwork mm. out of bones. There was a chandelier made out of like hundreds of bones, like real bones. They're not fake bones. These are real bones. Um, and the whole message of this place is to try to teach people like life is fleeting, but eternity awaits. And, you know, there's like a lot of messaging in this, but just walking through this place, there's like real human bones decorating wow. the entire place. Like on the wall, you see like um, a butterfly made out of human femurs, you know, and what? then on the ceiling, you see a chandelier made out of human fingers. Like it's completely bonkers do you know who was really into this think carefully and answer the question who do you think was really into this bone dedication of bones i wonder who <laughs> of course it's your husband i knew he was into it because this was the only place in the entire trip where he was like <laughs> buying all these souvenirs <laughs> like, he was like i need this mug oh i also need this pen like he bought so much stuff that the lady gave us a free book oh my god it's <laughs> hilarious but anyway, if you guys you want did that just for him, you did that just yeah, for him, right? You have to go like he's the bone man. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just saying if you guys ever want to like not sleep for a night, just go to Google and just look up Capuchin Crypt. Just do okay. it. OK, you do it after we finish our podcast. Well, I can't even spell it, it. So you're going to have to spell that for me. So, I yeah. will send you a picture. Okay. It is mind blowing. OK. You'll take my word You're for hilarious. it. You're hilarious. Okay. All right. So while you were in Italy having fun, I was planning for my wife's 50th birthday. I can't and believe so she turned 50. She turned 50. She turned 50. So 50. Um, it was, I got to tell you, like, I don't want to toot my own horn, but it was a pretty amazing party. <laughs> like, it was pretty amazing. So okay, tell us about it. So let me tell you about this part. So we're not going to open up with a question. This is, we just kind of share a little bit about like our week or our weekends or our vacation, so on and so forth. So, you know, Jenny, she doesn't like, she doesn't like being center of attention. That's not like her thing, you know, but I, I really wanted to celebrate 50 is a milestone. So I just like, you know what, Huge I, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to do something real special for her. And I didn't want to go overboard because again, like I just wanted it. I wanted to invite people that she actually is really close with. So I didn't want to have a huge party, but I wanted to have a good enough party, you know, where she would have a lot of fun. So uh, we ended up using the church office uh, because we had about 22 people there. And so that was too big for my house. We couldn't, it, it, it would be uncomfortable if we had 22 people in my home. So, you know, catered food from Chingoge, from the Korean place, catering services. So the food was excellent. Um, but one of the things I did was that I got um, I got people from around the country that she was close with, people in California, actually oh in Korea, shoot a video, you know, just wishing her a happy 50th. That's so nice. And uh, my brother-in-law is a professional editor, a producer for BBC America. And so I just said, listen, this is your sister. Would you mind editing this for me? And I just forget how good he is at editing and producing because he took a, a, about 12 videos and he just 
like it was five minutes of just amazing like sound bites of just wish like favorite memory of Jenny, like just wishing her, you know, like a happy birthday, you know, I love you and all those things. You know, one one was so endearing, it was so sweet. She said, you know, it, if it wasn't for you, I would have never recommitted my life to Jesus. And so it was just like really cool. And she was blown away because that was a complete surprise. So that was really cool. So we ate for the first hour. And then my sister and my brother-in-law from Maryland drove all the way up oh, for her wow. birthday. That was you. So she was just shocked that wow. she would come. And then Jenny Lim, who lives in close to Philadelphia, she also drove up to be there for her fifth. You know, Jenny lived with us for like six to eight months. Sure. Yeah. So I just wanted people that were really close. And so we did that. And then we watched the video, which was excellent. She was blown away by it. And then I had some people like my sister, my brother-in-law and a couple people like Lisa, Ra and Shirley, as well as um, Jenny to just just share some words of affirmation for, for her. How and, was uh, this for the person who doesn't like attention? Listen, it was so good. It was like it was like healing for her soul, Aww. if I can just say it, because, you know, I think as you get older, you just kind of wonder you, you get. You know, just things happen as you get older. When you start hitting your 50s, you start to think more about life. You start to think, you know, like, do I really have people that are really close with me? Do people really love me? And that kind of stuff. Like, there, those are some thoughts that you kind of wrestle with sometimes, like outside of family. Do, or do I actually have friends and stuff like mm-hmm. that? So it was really cool because the stuff that they shared was so heartfelt. And, uh, and like, I think the common theme that all of those sort of testimonies had about her when they were sharing it in person was how much res- profound respect they have for her mm-hmm. as a woman, yeah. as a mother, as a wife, as a in daughter-in-law, you know, as a woman of God. And uh, and I just think like for her, she was just overwhelmed by that. And so that was really cool. And That's then wonderful. afterwards, after that time, I was able to borrow a karaoke machine. Okay, that that's and, that's it. That hands down best party ever. I come mean, on, but that, you know what? I gotta you've give credit. Where, I gotta give credit to where credit yes, is due. That was amazing. not my idea. That was Lisa Ra. When I was telling her about this party, she goes, "You gotta get a karaoke machine." You have to. I mean, it's I like, Jenny what? on. She goes, "Jenny loves karaoke." Oh, I'm like, "Yes, Lisa, that is a fantastic yes. idea." So you know, I borrowed this karaoke machine from a friend, and we just sang, and she was dancing. We had so much fun. We laughed. That sounds amazing. Like, it was just, it was a great, and I got, I, listen, I got to tell you, I did an amazing job. <laughs> amazing job. Okay. Like, can I we, was can so we pers- focus on the person whose birthday? <laughs> I was awesome at <laughs> like, planning this thing. So, no, but you know what? My daughters, uh, they decorated the entire office. It looked absolutely beautiful. They created a little air pictures, you know, so it was a whole family event, you know, they all helped and Christian helped out too, um, you know, and stuff. So, it was really cool. And I think she just felt so loved and affirmed and cared for. Um, and it was great. And, and you know, we talked a little bit more about it yesterday because after the party, because, you know, we ended promptly at 9 p.m. because I had to go to bed. So we started at 6. We ended at 9 p.m. All right. Something's so never that change. Was, <laughs> that was too early for some of the ladies. So afterwards, <laughs> they all went to Pastor Shirley's house. And she went, of course, and they hung out. You know, they just hung out. I was like, okay, I got to go to bed. I got to preach tomorrow. So, you know, we did that. But it was so much fun. And I was so happy that it went perfect. There was no issues. And I think she was really surprised. She knew we were going to have a party for her, but she didn't know really who was coming. She had no idea that my sister and brother-in-law would drive up from Maryland to be there. And even Jenny Lynn would drive up two hours, an hour and a half or so to be there for her birthday party. But they all came and it was just really cool. So it was a really special, special day. I love that. And she, and, I cannot uh, think of a woman who deserves it more. 
Oh, absolutely. Best. Hands down. Hands down. Hands down. And so like in the beginning, she's like, oh, let's not do this going forward. Like, you know, I know there's a lot of work for you. And I was like, I was like, don't worry about it. Let's just enjoy yourself. And then, you know, like yesterday we talked about, she goes, oh, I'm actually really glad, you know, that Aww. we had this party because I think it was, it was important for her. It was really important for her. So really, really happy. Love so it. had a great, great weekend. Remember um, when, you know, I am very um, mind blown right now because I suddenly remembered that we had your 40th yes, birthday right. party it was, was a karate years 80s ago yeah, I, I don't know i think yeah, but yeah i mean that was yeah, yeah the 80s theme you came yeah. as um yeah. did you come wait who did you come as you came as daniel larusso daniel's son yeah, right daniel's son. Yeah. <laughs> wesley was the mr wig. miyagi the wig. Yeah. no but I, i'm not blown away by the fact that we had the party i'm blown away by the fact that it's been 10 years i know how has it I been know. 10 years such a long and you know what ago. i love the fact that you guys did affirmations i remember for your birthday we did roasting oh um, oh that's right so maybe the 50th is the year you give affirmations and the 40th is the year you roast them that's right i love that i love that love so it. Good uh, job, when, when, when you turn 40 i cannot wait oh to, to roast me about my card shuffling oh. skills Oh my goodness! There's so many things that can roast you about. So yeah, yeah the thing absolutely. About parties, I really don't like them. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think so. My buddy Alex G is the one who really told me about how you have to celebrate milestones. And I think in our Asian culture, particularly the Korean culture, we just don't celebrate milestones like this. And uh, I just think we have to. And uh, you know, our life is that important, and it's good to do it. And sometimes I think for us, we don't want to inconvenience other people. We don't want to be a burden. Things like that, but I've learned like no, it's okay to do that on big birthdays like this. And so, you know, I think I, I had no problems asking people to see if they'd be willing to come on up and be a part of this, and then the videos and stuff like that. So it was just so cool, so so cool. So Love it. I had a really really good weekend. Yep, yep. And I gotta tell you, I I uh, I was a ten out of ten this weekend. So basically, I, I, I did my husband duties and I did the, a good. The job. main point that we should take away from that story <laughs> is that you are an excellent husband. I was and an excellent you husband this weekend. Did a ten excellent. out of ten. I did not. I did not mess up at all this weekend. I was and a we ten out of ten. This weekend. Be impressed by your party planning <laughs> yes. and considerate, thoughtful yes. Yes. husbanding. Yes. 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 Noted. noted. It's all about me. It's all about yes. me. No. Got it. I duly no. noted. It, duly noted. It was. It was. You know what? It just brought me so much joy to see her so happy and uh, and to see like how excited, you know, and it was just a great day for her. So it was all of her close friends. I mean, 50 there. should be celebrated. That is longer than uh, most medieval people lived. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, and my Jenny. sister, my sister spoke and shared something, but like she had the whole room like laughing and she was. And I didn't know my sister was that funny. I was like, whoa. I was like, Elle, like, you're hilarious. And like Lisa and all the girls like, yo, your sister is like so funny. For 50 funny. years, you didn't know your sister was funny? No, I had no idea she was that funny. She was hilarious. So, so funny. And so, yeah, she was like, oh, I was so nervous. I didn't know what I was Stop saying. I was like, like, oh, you're hilarious. You're <laughs> hilarious. But anyway, so yeah, so that was my weekend. So I'm glad you had a great time in Rome. Welcome back to America. Thank you. Right. I mean, I did have to drive seven and a half hours here, but you I know, can't believe you did I'm that. glad. I yeah, we, I mean, yeah, we got stuck in JFK, basically. <laughs> story. Man. And then you you, yeah. you worked out really hard on the tonal, huh? Since you came back. Okay, sorry, sorry. This is totally unrelated, but <laughs> is it sociopathic that John and I come home and it doesn't matter what time we arrive at home and how long our flight was or whatever road trip, whatever? The moment we get home, we start unpacking, putting everything away, doing our laundry, and we cannot go to bed until everything is put away. Is that sociopathic or normal? No, 
That's that's for, at least to me that that seems normal to me. Okay, so. because I have had somebody tell me that that sociopathic behavior that nobody should be unpacking on the day they arrive. The suitcase should remain closed for a few days until you kind of chill out. Oh, no. and you relax. See that that's a little sociopathic in my opinion. That's so how we, I feel. Yeah, when we come back, everything is we we get everything cleaned out. So. Okay, see, so I just want to add to what our would have been weird. Yeah. What, what ha would have been weird if you said if you did all that and then you worked out on the tonal? I like actually, right you know after. what? Seven out of ten times I do work out on the day I come back. Um, oh my gosh. But I Not will those. tell you <clears throat> to add to our episode that we did before about how to find a partner slash, you know, married people's advice to single people. Mm. Find out if that person is somebody who unpacks on the day they arrive or <laughs> is not because I can totally imagine that if your partner is not, this would be a point of contention. Oh, absolutely. Yes. 100%. So find out. Find out. 100%. Also find out if your partner's family is one of those families who run like five miles, like those five milers after Thanksgiving, like the day after Thanksgiving, you know, those like day after Thanksgiving, five milers, like Turkey runs, just find out because trust me, Again, point of contention. Okay. I'm giving you good advice here. Yeah, but not with you and John. You guys don't do any of that stuff. Heck no. We're the yeah, people who yeah. eat leftovers for breakfast. Like that that's no. You know what? I'm I'm just gonna be I don't think that's a that's an ethnic relevant question. I don't think ethnic people do that. I think it's more white culture. Okay, first of all, <laughs> I don't think our audience, like our listeners, are only East Asians or like that's Asian true. people. <laughs> so true. I feel yeah. like that's very limiting of you to tell me that <laughs> I can't true. give that advice. Also, yeah, you know, like... to be honest, like my kids are at this point almost like third, they're third generation. Like they're pretty much that's acclimated. True. We're in Ohio. They're like acclimated to white Ohio. American culture. That's I mean, true. come on. That's true. Yep. You know? Yep. Anyway, that's true. Take notes. Well, All right. We, well, listen, we got to really shift focus here because we're, we're having so much fun talking about our, our week or our weekends. Um, but we want to talk about loneliness actually today. This is an important topic because uh, since the pandemic, uh, there has been such an uptick in this where people have really struggled with loneliness. A lot of different studies have come out. And so wanted to just really do a, an episode about loneliness kind of, you know, um, Sue, I don't know if you've ever had a season in your life where you felt lonely. Um, I don't think you have. Have you ever had a, a season in your life where you felt lonely? What is loneliness? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, okay, well, now I was. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, I mean, hold on. Is that really your question right now, or was it a rhetorical question? Yeah, yo, so I just, I mean, I think part of this, so, you know, I don't know if we're like the best people to talk through on this because right, I don't you're know. also not somebody who feels lonely. Yeah, I don't think I've ever, I mean, I have definitely, you know, in some seasons of my life, I've, I've felt lonely, but, you know, it's not something that I've, I've experienced for a long season of my life. Mm. And I know that this is a chronic illness yeah, for our society yeah. today. Uh, the statistics say that today, recently, they just studied 60% of people in this country are lonely, are struggling with loneliness, 60%. And so that's really high. And years ago, Harvard did a study on men. And they, you know, they said, what are the percentage of men in America struggling with loneliness? And the number was 90%. That's so this is really hard. Crazy. This is a really yeah. issue. This is a huge issue. And I don't know if you're listening today, and this is something that you're struggling with, please, please write us, let us know. Um, kind of how you've been struggling with it, but also maybe if there's some things that's helped you to kind of get over it, you know, and things like that. But any of it, yeah. So, Sue, did you, did you ever have a season where you felt lonely? I'm thinking about it. Like you said, mm. I'm sure I have. It's just that I'm actually in a season where I have the opposite problem, where I have too right. much, like too much oh, social interaction because <laughs> my children won't leave me alone. And um, it's, you know what? 
that's not fair to say, because I also feel like just because you're surrounded by people doesn't necessarily mean that you don't feel loneliness. Like, I don't think those yeah. two things are mutually sure, exclusive. Sure, like, sure. I actually think a lot of, for example, I think a lot of um, new moms feel a lot of loneliness during their mm-hmm. season postpartum. Absolutely. And yeah. that does not, that clearly doesn't mean that, you know, they have their babies with them all the time or baby with them all the time and yeah. it doesn't preclude them from feeling lonely. So I guess I should probably backtrack and say that's not necessarily always the same thing. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, I've had some seasons of loneliness, but it's mostly um, very specific stages. So it's not yeah. like it just kind of comes and goes. Like, for example, I remember when I first moved to New York City for um, college, I felt very lonely because, New York, you know, NYU is not the kind of college that has a campus, you know, it's, right, it's right, like in right. the middle of New York city. So yeah. just meeting people um, and missing your friends back home. And also I was very enmeshed with my um, family of origin. So just leaving them for the first time for that time, it was very disorienting for me. And right. I felt very alone, but that was very mm. specific, right? It was like a very acute type of loneliness. You can um, mm. kind of identify exactly where it's coming from. Um, yeah. And then you just kind of get used to it, you know? Um, so it wasn't the kind of loneliness that I feel like is, really deeply rooted where you just feel like there's this constant pervasive sense of like nobody Mm. gets me nobody knows me um, nobody loves me so I don't think it's the same thing as the one that you're talking about which is with these statistics where people feel generally all the time very lonely yeah yeah and so like there's four different types of loneliness Mm. Um, I didn't know that until I did some research the first one is there is a sense of emotional loneliness Mm. and I think that's kind of I think if anything that's probably something that people a lot of people experience the most of because yeah you can have a lot of relationships like you said you can be a mom have kids in the house all the time and you're constantly you know doing that you could be married to a person could be a wonderful person but there is a sense of an emotional loneliness if you're not really connecting with anyone right and that's and really that's connected to a lack of intimacy Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. real intimacy because if you're not connecting with anyone emotionally uh, there is that sense of loneliness. And this is why when people get older, particularly men, we hit a midlife crisis. Why? Because we're emotionally lonely. We're, we're, we haven't been intimate because most of men's you know, discussions or conversations they have with other guys is usually about sports, about social things, about work, different things like that. None of it's really dealt dealing with what's going on in, with our emotions, right? And so guys, it's just not natural for guys to sit around and be like, Hey man, so you lonely? Like, what are you going through these days? Like, guys don't do that. It's always yeah. like, how the Giants doing? Wow, yep. you think they're gonna do well? Like Yankees. Look at Aaron Judge. He got two home runs already. This is amazing. Like, we love talking about that stuff, you know, but we never want to talk about our emotions. Mm-hmm. And so, men really struggle, I think, with this. And I think women as well. Women who don't have that kind of emotional connection. And so, women could be caring for their kids and all that stuff, but yet they're not connecting with anyone else. All right, that's the first. Second type of loneliness is social loneliness. Right. And so just feeling lonely because you just socially you don't have anyone that you can spend time. Yeah, you're completely isolated. And uh, I don't know. I don't I've never encountered social loneliness for a season of my life. That's something I've never really struggled with. But that is something that a lot of people struggle, particularly these young kids nowadays, because everything is about screens. And so they're struggling. uh, I think they're struggling with that type of social isolation. The other way, the other one is like situational loneliness. Like there might be certain situations that you find yourself in where you get really, really lonely. Mm -hmm. It could be maybe traveling for work. When you get on a plane, you go and you get really lonely. And so you end up doing things you really end up regretting, you know, and stuff like that because you're so lonely when you're in a hotel room all by yourself or another part of the country, another part of the world, things like that. 
And then I think the the last one they say is the chronic loneliness. Like it doesn't matter what you're doing, it doesn't matter you know who you're with. You're just always lonely. And so those are kind of like the four different types well, of I feel loneliness. like there should be a sixth category. Well, um, it's when your wife never goes anywhere, but then one day decides to go to LA and then you're left behind. And then suddenly nothing is right anymore. And you feel like the sun has just extinguished itself and you can't, you just meander around your house aimlessly wondering what is wrong with my life? What if she dies before me? How can I live like this? I think that's the sixth one. <laughs> <laughs> and when that person realizes I gotta die before her, I cannot let her die before me. Like, I gotta go before her because I don't think I'm gonna be able to survive. <laughs> Sue, that was such a lonely time. I was like, oh, this exactly. is weird. Number this six. Is so weird. When your wife goes on a trip by herself. Oh my goodness. And you're she's gonna go on a lot of trips this year by herself, which I'm so happy for her. So go, go, Jenny. On that one. 50, I'm telling you, man, she's going buck wild at 50, which is amazing. 50 but, is the uh, new 30. Yeah. So yeah, you know, that's what that's what you said to her yesterday. <laughs> 50 is the new 40. It's just like that's only 10 years. That's not even encouraging. <laughs> that's so why I said 30. Yeah. Yeah, 50 is the new 30. That's the Anyways. thing. But uh anyway, but loneliness. And so for me, my my season of loneliness that I encountered, I would say Sua, was probably my teenage years. Um, I couldn't be home by myself. Like I just I couldn't. Like I just I, I felt so lonely. Part of that is just because of my brokenness and kind of how I grew up, grew up in a kind of a physically abusive home. Um, home was not a place where, you know, like I got a lot of joy from and stuff. So like for me, like I had to call people and go over my friend's house. I couldn't stay home by myself. Maybe it's because I felt like a loser. It was a shame kind of thing. But also I just didn't like like myself when I was alone. And so I needed to constantly be around people. And so I think that was probably like a season, like even though I had some friends and I was hanging out with them, I actually felt really lonely. And like I felt lonely all the time. And I would I would even go as far as to say that that, that, keep, that kept going like up until college. Because when I was in college, man, I could not like really stay in a dorm all by myself. Which is weird because you're an introvert. Right, 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 right. But here, here, here's what I've learned over the years that when you when you have a lot of unresolved emotions and you have a lot of brokenness and wounds, you can't be alone. Because what happens is that when you're living in isolation, at least for me, this I can only speak for myself. Like it's just, you know, like Henry Nowen says this: when you're by yourself and when you're in solitude, uh, your demons come out. Mm. And that's yeah. why you need to do this yeah. because you need to confront your demons. Well, back then I didn't even know what that was. And my demons were coming out and it was not good. And like, I was just like, I can't, I cannot be by myself. So like, you know, I lived on a, I, I went to Montclair State University. So I, it's a commuter campus. Like the weekends, it's completely dead. No one's around. And if I knew that my friends were going home for the weekend, I had to go home. I couldn't be alone by myself. Like it just, I couldn't be by myself because I would feel so lonely I think for me, how I got past all of that was that I just needed healing. Like I needed to heal of my wounds. And uh, and that really helped me, you know, over over the years. And even now, like now I love I love being alone, except for when Jenny travels somewhere. You know, but for the most part, I really covet my times alone because I need that. And uh yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm just grateful. I'm at a place in my own life where I don't struggle with loneliness. It's not something that I struggle with on a regular basis. Um, I actually feel like I have you know, sort of grown from that. And I have some really close relationships with some people in my life that allow me not to feel lonely. So, you know, that that is where I'm at. But anyway, for you, so Sua, you felt like 
never really had a season where you felt lonely, but what would be your advice to people right now that might be struggling with this, like that, that are in this place where they're really struggling with loneliness? Because, you know, it's so interesting in the, in the internet, you know, there were some really interesting like solutions that they gave. You know what one of them was? Limit your time on social media. But is that bad advice? You think? I think that's great. No, advice. I think it's, I think I think it's really great advice. Because, I mean, like social media is not a real world, and when you look at these feed, whoever you're following, they portray a world or a reality that's 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 not real, and it makes you more depressed because you feel like, oh my gosh, you know. So and so, I, I think that's great. Actually, I think it's really great. But the reality is, sixty percent right of Americans. So that means potentially sixty percent of our listeners right now are struggling with loneliness. What are some things you think we could do? What are some suggestions that you think can really help people kind of get out of this place of loneliness? I I feel like it depends though on, because like you said, there's so many different angles on loneliness. You know, there's situational loneliness where you're just, um, and I think a lot of it is also dependent on your life stage. It's dependent on your circumstances. And um, it's very, I mean, this is definitely not answering your question because I don't really know if I have any great advice for anyone, but I think it's a very pertinent topic um, because I've been reading a lot of articles and a lot of studies that show mm. that this generation of young people is one of the mm-hmm. loneliest yes. generations. Yes. They don't know yes. how to connect to others. Yes. Um, yes. A lot of those studies actually point to the advent of social media um, yeah. as the culprit yeah. for why people yeah. are no longer learning how to make real connections with each other. Mm. And that is so scary to me because, you know, you know, and I know that we were created and designed by God to be people who share a community. We mm-hmm. were we were created to be a communal people. You know, we were supposed to be the That's body. Right. I mean, God is three because God prioritizes fellowship. Yeah. And That's I right. feel like it's... and. Every time, and there's so many things that I've read that you know emphasize that. For example, you know, people you can read about um, all the different ways of torture, but people say that solitary confinement is the worst type of torture mm. to put somebody through, mm-hmm. more so than like waterboarding or like starving yeah. them or putting noises in their like solitary confinement does yeah. really, really bonkers and wild things to people. Um, If you leave somebody alone for long periods of time with no human interaction, not even an animal or whatever, I'm suddenly getting an image of Tom Hanks and cast away with Wilson. Wilson? Yeah. Yeah. Wilson. But like we really, really just have been designed to to need that community and fellowship. And so it really scares me to think about, especially because I have children who are growing up in a social media age, what it's going to do to them. Um, And you know what like I think about a lot is sorry, I'm I'm pivoting a little bit, but I swear. No, pivot, pivot, yeah. Um yeah. so you know the whole reason why people love junk food, like people love like Twinkies and we love sugar. Like What's the wrong reason with that? Well, they say it's there's like an evolutionary reason yeah. for this. They say that like back like millions of years ago when people didn't have access to sugar all the time, right. fruit, for example, was a very seasonal thing. And so mm. when you're when you encounter it, you should like you should binge eat fruit because it's mm. a very seasonal item. Your body needs the vitamins, so you need to eat it. You need the carbs. Carbs were a very um, not frequent source of food for the people back then. Yeah. So you just need your body learned that when you encounter carbohydrates and sugar, you got to take as much as you 
can because you need it. You will need it. Mm. But now we live in a time when there's fake sugar, right? Um, yeah. These processed sugars are not real healthy carbohydrates or sugars, but our mind and our body is being tricked into thinking, oh, it's the real stuff. So then we start binge eating it because that's mm. we've been taught to crave it. And then we end up in a place where we're we're just killing ourselves. We're hurting ourselves because we can't tell the difference between the, the actual sugar and carbs that we need we've been designed mm. to consume versus the fake processed sugar yeah. and carbs that we think it's the same thing you know and right, i feel right, like right, social right. media is exactly the same thing mm -hmm. it, it pretends to be this nutritious yes. um vitamin dense co social connection that a real um fellowship between people is supposed to be it pretends yeah. to be and yeah. our and we're so stupid and I'm, I'm including myself in this, that we can't mm -hmm. tell the difference. So That's we right. think that we like somebody's picture on social media. And yes, look, I have I have built community with this person. I have really um, engaged with this person, but there yeah. was not an engagement at all. Nope. But we're tricking ourselves into yes. thinking that we're yes. engaging. And then at the end of the day, years and years go by. And what do you have? You have nothing, just as your body yeah. got nothing out of That's those. Right. Um, That's right. You know, what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's why I think, like, if you are just watching stuff all the, like, if you're just watching church online and you're saying, I'm going to church, no, you got to force yourself to go and be a part of the service and be connecting with people. One of the things on the internet that was really interesting, they said that if you want to kind of overcome loneliness, you need to start volunteering. I'm like, what? Like, that's weird. What? But again, they're just saying, what? you need human, basically, oh, the yeah, gist is yeah. you need human interaction. Yeah. Because people are lonely because they're isolating themselves. But you need to be around people. That whole and the the, the Christian way or the theological way of thinking is this, is that we need incarnational mm -hmm. interaction in yes. the flesh. Yeah. And we need that regularly. We need a steady diet of that. And we're not getting that. It's really, really difficult. And 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 the other thing that I think just personally, I think that's helped me over the years, you cannot be too busy because the busier you are, the more lonely you become. Because the reason why that's the case is because you're not caring for yourself. When you're so busy with a lot of different things and you're not really caring for yourself and, you, and this self-care aspect is such an important part to really nurturing yourself so that you can not be lonely. You got to do things in your life that bring you life. If you're not doing things that aren't bringing you life and you're just busy all the time, whether it be working, whatever it is you're doing, it's going to drain you. You're going to get burnt out. You're going to give what you don't have and you're going to start really getting to a hard place. You're going to feel incredibly lonely. It's going to be overwhelming for you. And so that that's important. And the other thing I would just say is this. You got to be honest about it. You got to acknowledge that you're struggling with loneliness. Because that type of vulnerability will do something to you. It, it'll impact you in a real good way that if you can share with somebody, be very honest, say, listen, I'm lonely. I'm struggling with loneliness right now. And I know that can be kind of loaded because you're like, hey, why are you telling me this? Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. are you hoping that I'd be your friend? You know, kind of yeah. a thing. But I think yeah. you've got to find opportunities where you can just be real honest about what you're struggling with rather than the more you deny it. And guys do this all the time. The more you pretend that you're not lonely, the harder it becomes. And I have seen marriages destroyed. I have seen people like just not capable of emotionally connecting with their spouse because they have never admitted, they've never been honest that they're incredibly lonely. They don't know how to connect with somebody at an emotional level because that requires intimacy. It requires sacrifice and things like that. And it's really difficult. So, you know, for me, those are some things that I would encourage you to do is really acknowledge that you're lonely, care for yourself, 
really practice self-care, like do things in your life, like, you know, go to Rome, I mean, or do something that brings you life. You have like, to save up to go to Rome, you... okay? I saved up for yeah, a very go... long time. <laughs> go to Rome. Well, the Euro is not yeah, doing just well. Go so this to is, Rome. This is, yo, this is a good time to go to Europe because the Euro is doing bad. You know, it's like it's like dollar, you know, the, the Euro dollar and the US dollar is pretty much the same, I think, right? We're going to get like is sued it? by our listeners because you're giving advice to people who are lonely to just right. go on a international trip. No. No, no, you, but if that brings you delight, like for me, that wouldn't that wouldn't necessarily bring me delight. So for me, like bringing me delight would be going with people that I know that I'm very close with and I get to have a great time. So anyway, but you got to find some things that you really delight in and you got to just do it. You're like life is too short. And like what's scaring me is that today, especially living here in America, is that we don't know, you know, what like if I asked that to somebody uh, recently, I said, hey, what brings you life? And they just don't know because they've never they they they're, they haven't sort of organize their life in such a way where they're able to do something that brings them delight. And, you know, part of Sabbath isn't just not working, but part of observing a weekly Sabbath is for you to do something that you delight in, whatever that might be. And, uh, and we have to be willing to do that. And so that's just, at least to me, that's really key and that's important. And you can meet up with people, you can socialize, because I know people like that. But then they're just so deeply lonely because, again, they're just not connecting. They're not emotionally connecting. So I just think being honest, authentic, authenticity, again, like I say this all the time, people are sick and tired of hearing it. But if you have a soulmate, that'll really protect you from feeling lonely because you can really be honest. You can be fully known that that's something deep within you. So I don't know. Those are some of my suggestions. But uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting uh, because it's really a, a sad reality what's going on in our world today and how so many people are struggling with loneliness. And I understand, I get it, but I just think it's such a real dangerous place to be for too long a period of time. So did yeah. you ever any other hear, thoughts on um, Did you ever hear this thing that, you know, they, they, I don't know, I used to hear, and I feel like there's some truth to it. Like the best time to meet a significant other is when you don't need a significant other, like when you don't mm. feel like this need to have a partner. And mm. I think what it's getting at is what does having a significant other symbolize to you, right? And yeah. to kind of apply it to this situation. And again, I'm not trying to be like super spiritual here, but I feel like at the end of the day with the loneliness, um, and again, I might be completely wrong. So please email me and let me know I'm completely wrong. If you feel like I am, I am very open to constructive criticism. Um, but I feel like at the end of the day, on a basic human level, we want to know that somebody sees us and that somebody yes. gets us yes um you yes. know like pastor derwin gray whose church i used to attend to um when i was in charlotte he used to always say intimacy means into me you see um and basically it's somebody who's seeing you for who you are yeah. um and that's why these social media or surface level even in person but surface level level friendships don't always quite cut that loneliness down is because we may spend three hours with somebody, but at the end of the day, we feel like they know us no better than they did at the start of those three hours versus yeah. and vice versa. And I think at the at the end of the day, what we want is to know that somebody gets us. And you know what? Yeah. Maybe I should point out that maybe th that whole campaign that he gets us campaign that I was kind of like eh, about maybe gets something <laughs> right, because I think, you know. <laughs> Yeah, Your I mean, legalistic mind couldn't embrace it because they spent $100 million on the campaign. Yeah, and also the whole focus was on God getting us. Like, what about us yeah. getting God? But that's a whole yeah. other topic. Um, I do think <laughs> there is something very human about us. And like, yeah, like I want somebody to get me. Like yeah. I want somebody to really that's see right. all of me and I accept be known. me. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I just want you to know, I don't think you're going to get that from a person. Like you're just not. And I don't, I hate, I know this is like, I mean, it's a Christian podcast. Yeah. I can say this without being super like, ooh, 
but God is the only one who can see all of you. I don't even see all of me. Like yeah, I can't yeah. even sit here and understand all of the bad parts. I am surprised by the terrible things about me on a regular basis. Like, oh crap, I didn't know I had this in me, but God sees all of it and he still loves me. And I think only when you don't need that affirmation from somebody else, can you actually have a solid, full relationship with another person? Because I don't yeah. think that if you have this emptiness in yourself where you're constantly like, nobody gets me, nobody sees me, I don't think right. anybody accepts me. And then you go out trying to seek that from people right. who are just as broken That's as you right. and are also walking around saying, I want somebody to see me. I want somebody to accept me. It's not going to work. That's you right. know, you need to first foundationally receive that from God. And once you know, even if everybody deserts me and everybody abandons me, I still know that at the end of the day, the person that matters loves and accepts right. me. Then you have the security to go out and make real friendships. Yeah. Be but it can only be built upon the foundation of already knowing that you've been accepted and loved. Yeah. And if you're walking around seeking that from broken people, it's going to leave you even more broken than you started mm. because it's just mm. going to keep reconfirming. Maybe I'm unlovable. Maybe I'm unacceptable yeah. yep. because people are broken. So mm. going back to my analogy, you know, that whole thing about like, you know, you can only really have a good relationship if you're not seeking things from that person and willing to basically, you know, willing to give what you want or what you have, I really think that we need to first receive what we can only receive from God. And then you will have enough fullness in you and security in you to go out and make rich friendships and loving relationships the way God designed. But if you don't get that foundationally from God first, it's never going to work. That's right. That's right. God gets you. He understands you. And I was going to say a role, like insensitive joke while you were doing that. Do you're it. On a role. Do you it. Preach, but I didn't. No, you no, can say it. When you say yeah. God understands, I'm like, yeah, he even understands you wearing that Amish blouse. <laughs> <laughs> he understands the it's, depths of who you are. Listen, I don't know who made you an authority on fashion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an authority on fashion. But you know what? I took a picture of it while you were talking because we're going to post it. Listen, I want, I want our listeners to see your Modesty Amish blouse. Modesty is okay? the new sexy. Um... <laughs> I'm bringing modesty, modesty back. <laughs> you know, you know, like I could just look at that blouse and I know you're not lonely because you're wearing that blouse. I don't That's need, amazing. I don't need your affirmation. Okay. Because God already <laughs> accepts me and loves me. It's clearly so somebody who doesn't struggle with loneliness would wear that blouse. Okay, and that's hold on. you. Are, is, can, just to rephrase what you just said, are you basically saying only people who don't give a crap what other people think would wear a shirt like this? Yes, is that that's basically exactly what, what I'm you're saying? Getting? Oh, I that's see. exactly okay. what I'm Got saying. It. Got you. Just, no, Got it's you. cool. Listen, you're you're very fashionable. You're mm -hmm. very fashionable. But Sua, you you just you nailed it. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what it is. It's this reality that, you know, God has to be the foundation of this if you want to really get out of this loneliness. And you know, one of the things um yesterday, you know, we we're at church and you know, somebody at church said to me, Hey, you know, it's about uh it's about having fun. And I said, No, 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 What's no. What's about no, having no. fun? Just life. Life's oh, about oh, having oh. fun. And that's the problem with lonely i think a big reason why so many people are lonely is because they want to have fun fun leads to loneliness because the only thing you can grab from fun is like happiness maybe and pleasure but that's it right and so like if you go like you know how people are like oh i can't wait to go you know to a party this weekend i have so much fun and then they have that quote unquote fun to come back and then they're like depressed afterwards when they're home, you know, and stuff and they're throwing up because they're drunk, you know, they've, they're, they're trying to sober up. 
And I just said to him, I said, the, the goal in life is not to experience fun. Your goal is to experience joy. Hmm. Joy is very different from fun. Joy can only come from God. God can only give us joy. And I think what the devil has sort of done in someone or the enemy, you know, and the enemy uses, you know, anything who uses advertisers or whatever, social media, but they're teaching us that life is about having fun. Now, listen, I'm not against fun. I think fun's good once in a while. But when you're living your whole life just to have fun, then you're going to be lonely. You got to live your life to experience joy. Now, joy, like, like you said, it requires sacrifice. It's sacrifice. You got to get to know God. You got to be willing to be vulnerable. You got to get to know some people in an intimate way. You got to be willing to even stick up for yourself if you feel like you've been wronged and things like that. Those are all an opportunity for you to get more intimate and go deeper and connect. But joy can only be given to God. God is the creator of joy, and we need to live our life for joy, not fun. And I think so many people are living a life to have fun, right? It's like the idea when I was a kid, and this is a while ago, but like I used to watch MTV religiously. Like after school, I used to love watching MTV, and I loved MTV Spring Break. Because for that week, is that your generation? I feel like that was my generation. No, no, no. I'm. I. I I grew up watching MTV as a kid, and like the real world. Did they have TRL when you were a teen? Yeah, but that was way after. Oh, okay. So MTV is very old, right? So, like when I was watching MTV, they had like spring break, and it was tens of thousands of college kids. Just they went there to do what? Have fun. Just have a whole lot of fun. But fun is like a narcotic, man. It's like a drug, right? Like you just need more of it. It doesn't satisfy. Like you want more of it. You have it. Then you want more. You want more. You keep wanting more and uh, you become addicted to it. And then what ends up happening is you end up living a really deeply lonely life as a result of it. So yeah, I just don't think fun, pleasure. I mean, it's okay, but it's not something we should strive for and live for. Um, Our goal is to experience joy. And joy is really, you know, something that only God can give to us. And like you said, like, we can't do this without God. We need God. He's a big part of us uh, to fight against loneliness. And I think part of the reason why, you know, 60% of Americans are so lonely is because so many of us are living without God. And we think we can do that. We think we can function in this world without God. And so, you know, obviously the result is going to be, you're going to feel very lonely, you know, as a result of this. Some of us are just living for success. You know, some of us are, you know, my daughter's graduating from college and she feels the pressure of having to find a job. And some of us feel like we need to get, you know, start a career. I got to do all these things. And like you just said before, some of us are single and they want to get married. And I get it. I understand the loneliness of that to some degree because I, you know, Jenny was my first girlfriend. I never dated till I was in college. And, uh, (laughs) and so like, for me, it's like, I understand like, you know, wanting somebody to be in that kind of, you want to be in a relationship with somebody who loves you. But like you said, Sua, it never satisfy. Like if Jesus is not there, there's no way like we would have survived our relationship. So yeah, so that was really good. That was really good. So sorry, Sua, I feel bad that I made fun of your blouse, but but I hope I hope you can't take it back now. It's already out there. It's already here. It's already hurting. I can't wait to post this on social media. My heart has might start a new trend. You might start. It's a new not trend, a new trend. So cool. It's it's already an existing trend. I am not that much of a pioneer that I would like make my oh, own really? trends. No. Wait, so did I'm... you say you said modesty is the new sexy? Is that what you said? I mean, I was joking. That's awesome. Um, I but like that. I, I do think that prairie style has come back. You know, it, I mean, I, I think about two years ago. <laughs> like, I told her two she years like ago, um, something called cottage core, um, became trendy, where you look like you're wearing something in like a cottage, like cottage wear, you know, like. Little cottages, little cottages yeah. in okay. mountains, like the kinds wow. of clothes that. So, yeah. like basically the Amish, I guess. Oh, so like the like the plaid stuff and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, plaids, like yeah. big poofy prairie dresses and 
yeah, like Little House on the Prairie clothes. And um, yeah, so I, I wish I could say that I am a pioneer in fashion, but I will have you know that it's already a thing. I'm just a follower, okay? I'm just a follower. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Okay, okay. Any other advice you have for our listeners about loneliness or anything like that that you want to say before we close? I mean, you know, maybe you will tell me that this is theologically incorrect, but I feel like loneliness, though, is part of life. And I think, um, mm -hmm. you know, don't you think Jesus felt Good. lonely? I mean, yes. like his disciples literally left him. Everybody yeah. left him. You know, yeah. they, he he was about to die and he asked his disciples to pray for him and they just kept falling asleep. Like, yeah. I don't think it's an I don't think that if you feel lonely, something's wrong no. with you, Um, because mm -hmm. I think we all from time to time feel loneliness. And yeah. that's just. I think it's just a manifestation of the fact that we live in a broken world and um, yeah. things are not the way God designed them to be. Um, but I really feel, I really strongly feel that if you look for things that only God can give you from people, mm -hmm. that relationship, it's not going to be sustainable mm -hmm. because you're asking that person and you're expecting that person to give you something that they cannot give. And then you will mm. inevitably become bitter that they can't give you the thing that only God can give. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I know it sounds very preachy and, you know, but man, you have to have a fellowship with God. Like you just have to, and you have mm. to receive from God the things that God can give you. And once you receive that, then you will have the foundation to go out and build friendships and build community the way God designed you to, because, you know, God designed us to have community and fellowship, you know? I mean, it's now I'm thinking of like all sorts of random things, but you know that, <laughs> did you ever watch that movie called Into the, I think it's called Into the Wild, where like yeah. that dude goes into like the Alaskan wilderness to yeah, see. Yeah. And then basically even the secular film at the end of the movie, the lesson is happiness only real when shared. That's right? right. That's what his That's conclusion right. is. And yep. I think, you know, it's like all truth is God's truth. You know, at the very core, I think we understand that happiness has to be shared because God yeah. designed it that way. But the very basic first step is sharing it with God. And then we can That's go right. out and seek from people what people can give us and not seek from people what only God can give us. That's right. Amen. Amen to that. And also, if I can just add on to that just a little bit, I would just say that, you know, um, experiencing God mono imano, like between you and God is really, really critical and important, but also there's a real big component of you encounter God through other people as well. Yes, And that's that fellowship and that relationship. And that's mm -hmm. why that's so critically important because, you know, if, if, if I was just a monk and I lived in a prayer mountain by myself and I died, you know, alone like that, I mean, it just, there, it, it would not be a healthy place for me to be. Um, you know, uh, our, our beloved David Hosang says, when people live in isolation for a long period of time, they get really weird. And that's so true. <laughs> Very profound. They just get weird. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's so profound because it's yeah. so true. We just get weird because mm. we're just not in that. And so we need to be in relationship because also God's revelation of himself often comes through the other person. And yeah. so I guess my greatest advice I can give to anyone here is that, yeah, get yourself out there, um, you know, connect with God, uh, be a part of a church. And, you know, I know you might've been hurt in a church and maybe it's, it's sort of been a while since you've actually gone back. Uh, listen, if, if you're in this area, in the Jersey area or the Ohio area, we, Sue and I might be able to help you find a real good church uh, if you want that kind of guidance. Uh, but not every church is perfect. Every church has issues because it's a living body. But I think it's important for you to do that and be in some type of Christian community where you can open up and share your heart. 
where it's safe enough for you to do mm-hmm. that. Now, again, mm-hmm. not every church you can do that in, but I do, I do really believe that it's important for you to be a part of a church community and be a part of fellowship in that way. And I think it could be a huge blessing for you as you get to know other people and be in relationships with them. So I hope that you can do that. But again, that foundation of God is everything. If you don't have that, it's not going to, it's not going to work. And so I do hope that, you know, you'll be able to pursue that. If you have any thoughts, any questions, um, any insights to this, please share yes. that on our Facebook, on our Instagram, as we post this up, we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback on this stuff uh, because this is a real big problem and it's only going to get worse uh, as these, as the alphas, the gen alphas and the gen Z's get older. I think it's going to be a, a greater problem because their reality is so much on the screen. So anyway, so yeah, hopefully this will be, uh, if you have any thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. So we just want to thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a great, great day. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.